From In the Beginning to the Musical Apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What. I'm your host, Mike Wiseman. Before we begin today's regularly scheduled program, I have a new patron to thank, Steve Ski. Thank you for all the extra love and support, Steve Ski. That being said, what does the Bible say about false prophets? Lots. Let's dive into one of the verses, Ezekiel 14, 9. And if the prophet is enticed to utter a prophecy, I, the Lord, have enticed that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. Why would the Christian deity purposely entice someone to do the wrong thing? What purpose does that serve? And how is that considered free will? Why would a loving being punish someone for doing exactly what he convinced them to do? To make matters worse, Yahweh is all-knowing. He knew what his actions would cause. He knew he was going to lash out irrationally when his plan worked. The only conclusion I can draw here is that the loving Christian deity wanted this prophet dead. Yahweh enticed the prophet to say the wrong things so he could find some twisted sense of justification for the senseless slaughtering of his own children. Why would anyone choose to worship such a monster? Let's start the show. Is there anything in the Bible that you yourself have an issue with? <laughs> Okay, so it took you reading the Bible to realize that those things were bad for you? Yeah, it actually did. I, I didn't figure this out on your own? No, Ted, Ted Bundy could be redeemed. God doesn't kill children. What do you think the Passover was? Yahweh sets up a whole system in the Old Testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you. Today's special guest is returning guest, Christian video podcaster and businessman, Rick Walker. Welcome back to the show, Rick. Awesome to be back, Michael. Good to see you. Thanks for taking the time again. Thanks for coming back on. Remind the folks at home a little bit about what you do. Great. So I run a series of businesses here in the Texas area, uh, traditionally in the real estate investment spaces. And so I've been in these businesses for about 26 years. Uh, so just, just slugging, slugging away like, like the rest of the rest of the world behind a desk all day, every day. And so that's, uh, that's my dream. That's my life. Uh, got a great little, great family here. Who's just a blessing to me. So I spend all the free time I can with them, do a lot of volunteer work around so i i am not i do not consider myself a podcaster i just happen to have a podcast so <laughs> i'm not a very good podcaster i'm not a very good speaker i'm not a very good really anything but uh hey i'm here i'm available oh man give yourself credit you're awesome thanks man i appreciate that so last time we discussed a bunch of things and we laughed off at um sacrificing the innocent to forgive the guilty um, I kind of wanted to pick up right, out, right where we left off there. We, we did a part tour. We're not live in Vegas. Sorry, everybody. But we, well, we're live in Vegas. I'm live in Vegas. So I guess it's half point right now. <laughs> so on that topic, um, as far as slaughtering the innocent, so God chose to slaughter the innocent to forgive the guilty. Tell me what you think about this. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of different things just to, just to preface this. I think, I think, we may not have time to go through all the reasons why I think either it is justified or maybe didn't happen. Mm. Uh, but 
just a couple, a couple of different, different disclaimers here. Uh, number one, I think in a lot of the cases, it's possible that they never really obeyed uh, because we see the same people groups coming back around hundreds of years later that, that were supposed to be annihilated. So hmm. um, I think that's, that's just one thing that it, it may be some sort of form of rhetoric, Michael. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not an old Testament or ancient scripture scholar. And, yeah. uh, but from what I, what I've heard that some of the, some of the different war stories that they would use these sort of very ominous sorts of language as, as a, as a, as a war rally. And so it's possible hmm. maybe God used that or they used it. Obviously we don't want to take all the scripture literally because, you know, there's songs in there, the sorts of, there's different types of poetry in there yeah. that um, are not akin to the Western mind. Remember, I guess, you know, Christianity is an Eastern language primarily. We follow an, an Eastern God um, out of the Middle East. So I, I guess that's the first thing in the and the second thing is just just to reconstitute this idea of, of God sitting outside of time. He's not a mm-hmm. God in times like like we are. So he's he's not trapped at, of only looking at the moment and looking at the, the immediate future through death. He's looking at the context of the entirety of time. And so mm-hmm. if the children or did or innocents did die and you believed in eternity. And that's 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 my assumption is that I believe in I believe in the infant I believe in the eternity I believe in in God manifest Himself in Jesus Christ that the children were taken out of a finite threat of child sacrifice and and satanic sorts of living that were displeasing to God and put into an infinite good. Now I, I know we're going to get back into that later on, <laughs> yeah. um, but those are sort of the two the two sort of preferences before before we get started on this this line of thinking. Gotcha. So let's go with Jesus though. Uh, let's let's push aside the kids he killed and all that shenanigans for now uh jesus um jesus had to die because god was not willing to forgive people unless jesus died unless that innocent blood was spilled and and it wasn't just any innocent blood it had to be you know the perfect i'm going to use the word magic magical blood that was going to wash everybody away you know or wash everybody's sins away um, so in, in that instance, God required the sacrifice of an innocent. Is this something that makes sense to you? And, and, and if so, how can we make it better? How can we make it sound better? Sure. So I, I agree with you 100%. That it is sort of a magical type of thing, right? Yeah. And I think even if we, even when we start talking about the, the, the very beginnings of the universe, how everything comes out of nothing, the scientists still need to be granted a magical moment in order to make mm. all the logic and all the science work out in the end. And so I think magic is, is a mm. view, is a perspective on, of all of us that we can't, we can't mentally reason out love. We can't mentally reason out conscious. We still don't even know what consciousness is. And so there are yes. certain things that we have to rely, we have to rely on higher authorities. And we, we, we pick and choose our higher authorities. So yeah, I agree with you 100%, Michael, on that. We've, we've got to give some weight to, to what we consider higher authorities. And sometimes the higher authorities have a little bit of, of magic, a little bit of the supernatural. <laughs> well, so, what I would say yeah. as far as so, the universe and, and the I don't know, I would just say I don't know. I mean, yes, I can call things magic. I can, I can call my cell phone magic. I mean, I don't know how that works. But there is somebody out there that can figure that out. Um, and there are people out there that are trying to figure out the beginning of time and where everything came from and how it all happened and all that shenanigans. But I'm not going to insert the magic until I figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how the cell phone yeah. works, but I'm not going to call it magic until I figure it out. I'm just going to say, yeah, it's science. I mean, somebody knows how to do it. Somebody can figure it out, you know? Like, somebody knows, or somebody will know, you know? It's just, yeah, it's... But, 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 the, but the, scent, the scent of everything out of nothing doesn't work math- mathematically, doesn't, scent, doesn't work logically either. Hmm. So we have to give some grace 
to the scientists, right? Right. So all the all the work that they're doing right now in biotechnology and mm. physics stuff, we can't just discredit everything they do because we've got to grant them a moment of magic to start the universe. So that's right. that it's it's an entirely reasonable thing to give some grace, to give give a little bit of magical credit. Mm. Just we don't discredit everything with you know we don't, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater no, with is. that. <laughs> and so so let me let me let me answer your question. Let me answer your yeah. question uh, about the about this Jesus person. Mm. Um, so. The, the, claim, the claim is this, that, that Jesus was born at a specific time, a specific city under a certain specific Roman magistrate into a specific mm -hmm. bloodline that was prophesied by 12 Jewish prophets. I'm not a Jew. 12 <laughs> Jewish prophets over a thousand-year period in the Jewish scriptures. It was also prophesied by Plato, by Socrates, by Homer, and many others, including people out of Egypt. And, then, so, the, and so the claim is that he lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. And he was raised back to life. Now, everyone believes, any serious scholar, even atheist agnostic scholars, believe that he was a real man. There's more evidence for Jesus than there was for any of the <laughs> any of the pharaohs, Alex, Alexander <laughs> the Great, and many, many other people. Um, even atheist Bart Ehrman, a New Testament, an atheist New Testament scholar, gives 15 independent sources for the crucifixion of Jesus. And if obviously if he was crucified, he died, he yeah. also lived. And so and I'm so on I the fence about all that. I mean there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of scholars talking different things. Um, yes, Bart Ehrman definitely believes there was a, a physical person named Jesus. Um, not that all the magic stuff happened, but the the, the person existed. Um, there's people that believe he didn't exist. And there's there's, there's a lot of, it, it, it's back and forth. And right now I'm on the fence. I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't yeah. know. I have not looked enough into if he's a real person. I've heard both sides and I need to do more research before I make a final decision. So I'm on the fence, man. I mean, yeah. it's and, possible and, that and he I, wasn't I, real. Know, so yeah, and, and I I certainly think that Gary Habernas is mm. a great resource for that. Mm. Um, he's he's a guy that did a lot of the research on the ancient text to look at the manuscripts, and he he cites the majority of those fifteen sources come within a hundred years of of Christ's life, and the majority of those people were put to death by their enemies for their very beliefs. Now, there's no reason why they would write a lie and not recant if they were to save their lives. No one dies for a lie. No People one die for lies lie. all the time, Rick. Well, all not the for time. their own lie that they know is a lie. They know it's a lie. They no don't know it's a lie. No they, one knowingly they, dies for them. No one knowingly, exactly. No one knowingly dies for a lie. But they believe this wholeheartedly. The people who flew planes into the, the, the buildings in 9-11 believed wholeheartedly they were going to go get their 72 virgins or Virginians Absolutely. or whatever it is. But I Absolutely. don't. Yeah. I don't think that makes it any more real. That doesn't convince yeah. me at all that they have the right belief or that it is a true yeah. belief. You know. I no. I I I agree. But they thought they thought that what they believed was the truth, and I think that's right. pretty like logically clear. Whether they're crazy or not, they thought they saw <laughs> a resurrected Christ. They thought they heard all these things, and they thought right. they thought they were in the right. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah. 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 And so you know, you you not only have these these twelve people that I mentioned. Um, you also have groups that are one, two, three. At one point, Paul says that over 500 people at the same time saw the risen Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and obviously, there's no scientific evidence of mass delusion. Well, and, and so that we do have some so, mass so delusions for sure. We've got we've we've got some. There's there's people that are, I think it was a uh, uh, somebody floating in the clouds or something. There's there's definitely some out there. Research that. Yeah, look into that. There's definitely some mass well, delusions. Well, I mean, I mean, sure. I, eyes on eyewitness seeing the seeing the very very. Very same thing. So uh, the last, yeah. the last two things we've got to, we, we, that that Christians would believe about about Christ is that he, he raised back to life. 
mm-hmm. and that somehow restores our relationship to God, undoing sin, guilt, and death. Now, the, the, I, the whole idea, the whole concept, and I'll finish with this, Michael, the whole mm-hmm. concept of God becoming a man, him dying, and him rising again, is, is put something, something like this, that a resurrection for one man suddenly opens up a whole new world of possibilities for all men. And that's the promise of Christianity. It's not executed correctly. It's not always executed perfectly, but that is the hope and the promise. That's the thing that we sort of aspire to. We fail all the time, but we aspire to. Hmm. So in the Old Testament, is, is there a spot? I, I, Abraham, Moses, no. Ezekiel, I, I don't know. There's somebody in there that raises a boy from the dead. I cannot remember his name for the life of me right now. Oh my goodness. Was it Ezekiel? I don't know. Okay. So it's in there. It's in the Old Testament. Lays on him. Yeah, yeah, Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was, it was one of those prophets from the Old Testament. He laid Weird. on the boy and he, and, he, and he came back to life. So he did that previously. Why did he need to do it again? Why did he need to show it twice or three times? I mean, four. I mean, you got Lazarus. Yeah, and, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with that, with that story. Yeah, it's going to bug me. Oh, man, okay. It's going to bug me, too. Hey, I'm the Christian. I should have known that story. (laughs) There's somebody out there yelling at their radio right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. We'll we'll pass up that. We'll pass up that. So, anyway, so so God needed to resurrect to show that he could do this, that to show off his powers. Is that what we're going with this? Well, so so there were all these prophecies before him for thousands of years, probably probably a total of maybe four or five thousand years of prophecies, not only in the Jewish system. But none of them mentioned Jesus by name, not a one. Well, there there are lives that are that have the name of Jesus. So Joshua and Jesus are both the same, basically the same name. And so the act of Joshua leaving leaving the Israelites out of slavery into into the promised land. Um, that is a pre-messianic activity. I would not consider that a prophecy, but that is a pre-messianic okay. activity. And I know we don't want to dive back in. We spent a lot of time <laughs> on Pharaoh and stuff last time. <laughs> yeah, but, I know we did all but, that. Yeah. But, but just just as an as a name uh, synergy. But you have these you have these strange things, Michael, like in uh, in in Plato, Plato's Republic, I believe, is book two. There's a conversation between um, I think it's Ga- it starts with G, Gaioc and Socrates, <laughs> and and they imagine. They imagine the idea of the, the just man means kind of the good man and the and the the bad man. And, and they would and they said something like, like if you want to create like the worst possible man, you would make him really bad inside, but on the outside he would look good, right? And it's this idea um, where I think another uh, hmm. former atheist uh, Lewis talks about this idea that um, it like the worst type of man is a religious bad man. Like the worst bad man is a religious huh. bad man. He look he looks religious and he's and he's and he's really bad inside. That that's the, that's the best cover up because they can do the most damage. And, huh. and so the t- the second type of man that Socrates uh, speaks about in the Republic is is the just man. And the just man who is really really good inside. If he was on the outside, if he looked good, if he looked perfect, he he would be able to receive benefit from that. Like people would laud him and praise him. And so hmm. you wouldn't want to reward a just man. You wouldn't re- want to rejo- reward a good man. You'd want to you'd want to strip him of all the acclimates. You want to strip him of all of his outer garments, and and you'd want to see what that just what that good man, that just man deep inside would would do, how he would react. And he said that the that the the idea of the perfect goodness is you take that just man, hmm. you strip him of all his clothes, you beat him, you flog him, you gouge his eyes out, and then you pierce him in the side and you wait to see what kind of good man he is 
Uh-huh. And so I, so there's sorts, there's some sort of like pre-Messianic evidence. There's, there's like 10 other wait, scriptures in that. Wait, how does that, about. how does that prove correlate with Jesus? The stabbing part? That's it? No, no. The, fl- the, the stripping of the clothes, the flogging, okay. the idea of a just man, a just man. Remember, Pilate pronounces Jesus not guilty. I find no guilt in this man, but it's the religious people who crucify him, who, who so, demand for him to be crucified. And so, so it's Socrates a just are, man. Everyone knows he's perfect. Socrates yeah, so or Plato is saying man. this, that they're talking about a perfect this man. Plato reciting, reciting a conversation that Socrates had. Plato, yes. okay. Plato's reciting a conversation Socrates had, and they're talking yes, about yes. a just man being whipped and stabbed. And that to you is yeah, Jesus. It's like the perfect. Well, it's it's a perfect man with like ten different descriptives. Uh-huh. Um, you know, per, the perfect man that everyone says is guilty, right? Jesus was was condemned to death on a cross by the religious people, like, although they knew he was pronounced guiltless by by the representative of of Caesar. He's flogged. He's stripped of his clothes. He's has his eyes gouged out because he can't he can't see anything. Huh. Um, he can't see he can't see God anymore. He's blinded and. Like there's like ten other descriptors in there, but then fine. But the final, the very last thing he says is that he is he's he's stabbed. He's 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 uh he's pierced yeah. like 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 with the spears. Pierces all is always the spears, and that, obviously that's how they prove the actual death of Christ. That's how Christ then always proves his death when the soldiers so stab him the, and blood is, and the water flowed out. Yeah. Is he the only one that was stabbed, Jesus, ever for through? crucifixion while you know being crucified well if you can't if you compound the 10 things that plato talked about and the idea that he was a perfect man well i think i think it'd be hard to name it well we can we can history. we can we can debate the perfect man thing plato might have just been thinking of a perfect a guy an innocent man who's being you know sacrificed for something i mean there's 100 percent that happens constantly back then and still now so that is a possibility as well. And they used to flog people, right? And they used to stab people and they used to crucify people and they used to yeah. gouge out the rivals. Well, well, so all well, these well, things well, kind of now, work now, in the his, same. His comment, his, his comment about, four, about 350, 400 hmm. uh, years before Christ, I believe that was that predated crucifixion. Oh, so they didn't crucify anybody in the Plato him. story, but they, they tormented somebody and they, they killed him essentially, right? They... But yeah, they, they killed. Yeah, yeah they yeah, killed him. Yeah, they and, didn't but, crucify but, him. But looked, okay, it, so I mean, it's it's close. But if it was said Jesus, the Son of God, was going to come down, he's perfect, and if he crucified, blah blah blah, then I could see something. But it's kind of like reading Harry Potter one and then writing Harry Potter two. I have Harry Potter yeah, one. Yeah, and they, I can make the connections fit. I see these things. Yeah. I can make it fit now. That's how I see it. Um, and, and a lot of the prophecies yeah. that I see in the Old Testament are not talking about Jesus. It's either Israel or somebody else. And Jesus didn't come back and and wasn't this warlord or take over things. And he's not going to do that yet. You know, you got to wait till the end yeah, of the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's just so a lot spe- of things that specific... just don't add up for me. Um, yeah. So the, so the specific the specific yeah. other terms I was thinking about for, with, in Plato again. This is this is Plato's Republic Book Two. Anyone can go look it up. Hmm. Is that is that. Um, he would be the best of man that he would have, uh, he would continue into the hour of death and he would still be uh, just, but he would, mm. everyone would call him unjust and that he would be scourged. He would be racked. So he'd be tied up somewhere. He would be bound somewhere. Mm-hmm. He'd have his eyes burn out. Um, and then at last that after suffering all the types of evil, he would be impelled. Now the, the, mm. the, the impelling is not only just of the side, it's it's also of, you know he's impelled both his hands both his feet and, and his sides impelled five times, hmm. um, and so and so the the impelling the rack the scourge the stripping 
the perfect man, but also declared declared perfect by the by the the, the representative of Caesar, but also de but deemed um, evil by the religious crowd. I mean, it's 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 a compound of all these things statistically. I mean, there may have been one or two people in that in that interim term that maybe fit all this thing. But I I, th I think like the important thing about this is that we see that our enemies, like the, the religious devout, like the people that that mandate you act certain ways and do certain things, hmm. that those are the very enemies of Christ. Like we have we have the same enemies, the guys that say that you've got to be perfect, you're never going to be loved, you're never going to be, <laughs> uh, you know, you got to obey these 600 laws. Like those are the same people that crucify Christ. Laws, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into the laws. We'll get there. So Jesus, though, um, this perfection. I want to discuss the perfection. Um, why do you think he's a perfect guy? I mean, we, we talk about uh, leadership too. You think he's a leader, a good leader, a uh, good somebody to follow? Um, tell me why. Yeah. So he he says that he comes not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He he's out of his own lips. He claims himself to be a servant. I mean, he washes his disciples' feet instead of demanding that they wash his. Uh -huh. He consorts Certainly. with, and he he brings the poor people to his table. I mean, he's got eats with he has lepers, and he's got he's got uh, yes. prostitutes. He has all sorts of people hanging around him that the Jewish religious crowd like they're they're like you can't have anything to do with these people. But he brings them in, uh -huh. and it shows you that he's he's a man of the people. And man of the you people. know I think I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, 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 you know, I, I go back, I go back to someone like, uh, like, like a Van Gogh, uh, where he he tells his brother Theo in these letters that he, you know, although he's been banished by the church, he sees the divine in the ordinary. Like the the dirtier the peasant, the more he wants to paint that person, the more divinity he sees in that person. Like there's something, there's something more beautiful about a about a about a poor person, about a person that's been struggling, that people of the earth. Than the people that are royal, dressed nice, and, and so forth, and it hmm. seems like that's the kind of man that that Jesus was, um, and, and so I I think that that that's the sort of person he he maybe aspires for us to be that that we don't try to be around the people that can give us things, we want to try to be around people that we can help, and they have no opportunity whatsoever for forever repaying us. I don't see that verse though. I don't see that verse. <laughs> I do what, see um, about, about what well helping people that way and, and and you know for them not to have repay us just to help them. I don't remember that one. Um, I'm sure there's something similar in there. But Jesus also said, Matthew 10:34, "Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother." That doesn't sound like a good leader to me. That doesn't sound like somebody I want to follow. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is he doing? What he's doing is he's setting up a new religion. He's saying that this is a break from Judaism. This is a break from anything you've ever seen. And it's going to take you being willing to stand up and fight in a metaphorical standpoint for hmm. what you believe. That even if you are living in the household of your own parents, who I remember the Jews were told to honor your father and mother, mm -hmm. and, and you and you would be blessed, right? I think it's the fifth commandment, something like that. And if you don't, and they'll stone you today. What he's saying is, <laughs> well, the, the, Jew, the, Jew, the Jews will stone you for anything. They'll, they'll, they don't, they're, they're, they're looking for any reason. 
and, and God so gave them the there's, reasons. There's though. A, <laughs> well, well, I no, they 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 intuited the additional mm. 600 or so laws. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty bad. But we'll so get there. We'll get there. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Jesus says that even though someone in your household is is that you know thinks you're a fool, that your job is to stick to what you believe is is the truth, and that and the truth obviously would be would be that he is he is the Messiah. Now let me let me make one other comment about stoning, uh, hmm. just to give some some context about who Jesus was. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery, and of course the the the, Jew, the, the Jews, uh, yeah, the religious crowd, the, the religious elite. Yeah, they, were, they they brought her to Jesus, and this one was caught in the act of adultery, mm-hmm. and uh, and and obviously, like, where's the man? The man doesn't show up. The man gets off scot free, and mm-hmm. he says he says, well, you know. It is said that you're supposed to stone him. That's what that's what your law says. And he says, "But I say to you, let him who has no sin be the first to cast the first stone." And they all dropped their stones and they walked away because they knew they weren't all sinless. And that's what perfection does when it's dropped into the unholiness of the religious crowd. It hmm. they have to drop their stones and walk away because they can't they can't answer intellectually and they can't they couldn't answer in the in the physical judgment of the of the stoning. And I think that that gives a little bit of compassion about who Christ was and what kind of thing Christ did. And he, he tells the woman, uh, "Go, sin no more; your sins are forgiven." And she and she and she leaves. Hmm. Matthew five thirty two: Anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Now, if we go to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, uh, the punishment for adultery is death. Jesus knew this. Jesus was Jewish. So, I'm seeing different stories here about the, the the same guy. He 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 saves the prostitute, but he wants to stone uh, divorced, adulterous women. How does that add up? How does that work? So so at the incarnation of God in Christ, so li- literally God descends somehow, puts on a human body, and and, and it's it here. Right. It's yeah. Comes on down, it's like Spider Man. It's just Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so again, I don't know. I don't know how it happens. I'll, I don't know how it happens. Yeah. But somehow, when that happens, there's a, there's a bridge that's made that that is that is fulfilled on his death and resurrection. The ability to be able to believe in that that we are no longer guilty and deserving death for those sorts of activities. That that if. The, the punishments of the Old Testament are no longer applicable because mm-hmm. you're no longer under the old law. You're under mm-hmm. grace. It's a it's mm-hmm. a, it's a new covenant, right? The, the mm-hmm. old law was a covenant that God made with his people and the rulers then just extrapolated like crazy and made it made with their people. And they, it became a burden on there. And what Christ did, he came to, to fulfill it. He, he, he fulfilled the law perfectly himself so that we never had to. And then he applies grace to those who believe in him. Build the law. And so the punishments of the Old Testament are no longer applicable. So when Jesus says they're adulterous, he means don't stone them. Oh, you oh in that in that verse. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I think when he says they're adulterous, I think what he what he which means is like he's calling he's calling the spade a spade. Like 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 definitionally, like if you if you do this, you, you know, if you if you're married and you sleep with someone else, no, no, divorced. If you marry a divorced woman, oh, that woman, yeah, you're marrying an adulteress, and you're fitting of the yeah. crime, uh, or the punishment. And the punishment yeah. is well, you're not, you're not fitting of the punishment. That that that's an inference back to the Old Testament that he doesn't make. 
Let me go back to that verse real quick here. Let me make sure he doesn't say anything about punishments here. Jesus, neighbors, saved. Oh my gosh, I should have just hung on to it. Give all the poor. Oh, here it is. Matthew 5, 32. Anyone who marries the adulterous divorce commits adultery. Yeah, so he's he's accusing them of committing adultery. And back then, during the time before Jesus died, he hasn't died yet. So that blood hasn't done its thing. So at that time, adulteresses were following the old law and were stoning them, right? I mean, it just kind of goes well, together any, there. Anyone that, anyone that marries a divorced woman... So this would be a man that marries a divorced woman. Man will, yeah. So what man, he, what if a man, yeah, yeah. yeah it doesn't say a woman married a divorced man. So a, a man that marries a divorced woman, what he's saying that man should not marry her. Now he can still take care of her financially. Like you, you need to take care of, of, of widows and people that are destitute, obviously. And it, well. he's he's saying something like the the act of marriage, this, the sexual nature of that is meant to be between. One person and another person for life. Whether no matter who dies, who dies first is is essentially right. what he's doing. It's it's an, it's an eternal covenant. Is as I, I suspect what he's getting at there, Michael. Right when he yeah. says uh, except for marital, oh, excuse me, except for marital unfaithfulness. So he could beat the crap out of her, and Jesus says, "Stay." Uh, except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. So if he's beating the crap out of her and she leaves him, she's an adulteress. Because she's happy with somebody else. That's terrible. She if she if she leaves him, doesn't say she yes. has to get divorced and leave her. Leave him. Like she can take the kids and, and go. Well, that's a, that's technically you're divorced, you're left, you're separated, whatever you want to call it. Jesus sees it as an, an adulterous thing, no matter what the circumstances, except for unfaithfulness. Not 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 if she's left. Not if she just left. Hmm. Divorce. That's a divorce. <laughs> well, I mean, get, get, these are these are Eastern brains. There's <laughs> Eastern brains. Yeah. Look, I'm uh, not a very I'm not a very smart smart man, Michael. I I, I don't, either, I don't understand these things. You're smarter I'm, than I'm me so far. To, I'm just trying to put you. No, no. All right. So um, we'll get into the laws. I definitely want to touch on that. But one more thing about Jesus here. Um, do you remember that time Jesus was hungry and threw the tables and the and cursed the fig tree and all that? Yes. Jesus is hungry, and there is a tree that happened upon be out of season. It's Mark 11, uh, 12 through 24, and then also Matthew 21, 18. Uh, early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. <laughs> I love this story. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Okay, let's let's go to square one here. Jesus is hungry. How, he can't, he's magic. He can, like, not be hungry. Then he goes up to a fig tree and doesn't realize it's out of season and gets upset about this. Let's just stay there. Let's stay in that spot for a minute. Jesus is yeah, hungry, yeah. hangry. Which is and, fantastic, yeah. And doesn't know a tree's in season. Explain that one to me. Yeah. Just so there, it, just it, that it part. Really <laughs> yeah, it really shows the humanity of, of, of Jesus that he gets angry. It's like, that's not perfect. You know, maybe though, right? there's, well, getting angry at a tree. And lashing out is, irrationally on it is not a well, good thing. Maybe the tree wasn't obedient. You know, it, he, 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 is, <laughs> he is the tree's creator. He is the tree's creator. Oh, no. <laughs> so, but, but, but remember what happens, what, happens, what happens, I think, later on the next day, later it. on the next day, they walk by, they walk by it with the disciples. The disciples are like, look, master, the, the tree's withered. Yeah, he killed it. He says, of course, of course it's withered. I killed Yeah, I, I talked to it. Yeah. 
but but you see, like he he overthrows the tables in the in the in the temple. Remember mm. the money changers? He flips yeah. He gets angry Throws about that. Yeah, yeah. He acts I, on his I anger. I think it has to do. I I think it has to do that he gives us the freedom to have to have anger as long as it is righteously had. So it's righteous yeah. for the creator to be angry at its creation, this fig tree that it did not have figs when the creator wanted it to have. Why is that? It's righteous. Why is that righteous? Because he's the creator. He's okay, the creator. So he's the... <laughs> the, the creation should always be in obedience to the creator. So you're telling me the tree was disobedient, so God lashed out. The tree was supposed to have fruit or it wouldn't grow fruit or like, I help me... Help me make it make yeah. sense. So, so yeah. So, so, so just, just for, just for everyone, like, like we're, like we're way beyond the, the passes right now. We're just kind of speculating right now. Right? We're just trying, trying to. Got to figure like, it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna figure this thing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I suspect, I suspect it has something to do with the, the idea that, that creation is meant to obey the Creator. That there's some sort of formation there, uh, some, some sort of dismal hmm. hierarchical structure being played there. And so he uses as an example to his disciples, I think the next day as they're walking by, and just a, just another bit of evidence. Like they've already seen him kill people, raise people from the dead. They've already seen all this stuff, but then he shows his his divinity over over a tree. Remember but where Christ, is the Christ tree not hungry? Where yeah, where is the tree not listening to him? Which part is the tree not obeying the creator? Cuz I don't see that part. Yeah. So a fig tree his purpose is to produce figs just like it's not season it's not going to produce figs though god knows this god knows seasons god set it up this way god set that tree to not have fruit during out of season and then god goes up to it and gets mad about that tree for for doing (laughs) we don't know about that put that tree there (laughs) (laughs) he probably might have yeah so what would have been better cursing it killing it or or making it grow 10 times bigger and produce fruit all year round to feed all the hungry people. We can even go see that tree nowadays. It's the Jesus miracle fig tree. But no, no, God chose violence and death. I see a lot of God choosing violence it's, and death. It, it's interesting you should say that because it's it's rumored that the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden bloomed with different fruits 12 times a year every month there's like there's a different type of fruit in there and that and there's a tree like that supposedly in in heaven that there's a there's a perpetual blooming tree but i think at the at the very essence of the this is that a we've got a god that was really human right a god that really got angry like us Mm -hmm. that really got not perfect though he he was really he was really a man that's man's not perfect getting angry is fine lashing out is not rick a good a good man not able to get angry is useless. He's a he's he's a patsy. He's a patsy. A good man should be able to get angry um, if things are not going the way that they're meant to be. He's supposed yes. to be able to call. But a perfect in. man should not get angry at a fig tree that's out of season and curse it to death. A perfect man should not get angry to where he lashes out irrationally at a tree. <laughs> well, it's not irrationally. It's not irrationally. If you're the it's irrational. He knew it wasn't in season. It's Where's not, the rationality? <laughs> Explain. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the season of a fig tree is in the Middle East. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Me neither, man. Me yeah. neither. Well, that yeah. was fun. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He was, yeah, he was, he was always getting angry, right? Yeah, he was, 
he was getting angry all the time. And that, that, that shows that there was hope. There's hope for me and you. Like if we get anger, angry, like there's, there's hope. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Therapy helps too. Anger management, all that shenanigans. I think, I think Jesus needs some anger management, anger management courses for Jesus. That's an interesting story. That'd be a good cartoon. All right. So we're, we're moving on now. Let's move on to those laws that I keep teasing here uh, that we keep touching on a little bit. So what are the laws to you? And, and, and are there 615? Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, the Jewish laws. Okay. Yeah, okay. all those old laws. Yeah. What are they? I'm not. I'm not sure, Michael. I, I don't even pay attention to those because I'm not. A, I'm not a Jew. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, it's. I see the Ten Commandments. I see uh -huh. all this. All this stuff that has to deal with the temple, and the worship. Of course, the temple's been destroyed. Yeah. Christ, you know, Christ predicts the temple's going to be destroyed, and it's destroyed by 70 A.D. Mm -hmm. It's. It's a. It's a. It's a figment of the past. And so I, I. I honestly think all of that is just. Is just completely irrelevant and huh. the jews holding on to that i mean if you're a jew today where yeah. do you like where do you make your sacrifices like they're supposed to be making sacrifices i don't see yeah. any <laughs> blood running in the street come on guys you really about your religion <laughs> why aren't they stoning people anymore jesus says to or yahweh says to i don't know but so yeah. to you they're just for the jewish people yeah why yeah. is that well i mean so I'm a Christian because uh -huh. of Christ. And so obviously Christ comes out of the Jewish tradition and one man living the perfect life somehow, some way, I don't know how this happens, Michael. It's, it's uh -huh. said that it gets imputed to us, that, that we get the credit of, of his living the perfect life. And so our faith in Jesus somehow gives us that, that credit of, the, of, of being a perfect person, although we're not perfect at all. Like I sin all the time. Like when I'm at the blackjack table, I get mad just like Jesus would get mad at blackjack table. Don't flip you know, the tables to you know kick you out, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those for those of you not listening, like Rick, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Vegas jokes throughout because Michael's in Vegas and I'm jealous. So yeah, but man, it's like it's like one of those things. Like you know, I don't understand how they could they could do that. Like it, hmm. it's it's got to be horrific to have 600 you know, laws to follow. It just seems mm. impossible. And I think that's why no one ever was able to do it perfectly. And they had to kind of put the, 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 the constrictions on the people. Like, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't make your own food on Sundays. You couldn't walk a certain length on Sundays. It was, it was crazy stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, well, first John five, three for the love of, uh, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Uh, Deuteronomy 30, 11 for the commandments that I command you today is not too hard for you. So God's talking about his laws here and he's saying they're not too hard to follow. I agree with you. They are too hard to follow and they are grotesque, brutal, barbaric. No, I, I know hundred uh, percent. But it does say in there several times that the law is holy, righteous, perfect, and good. And this law came the from law. God. You know, it says, keep the my commands. The law yeah, the sorry. law in First John is re is referring to the the law of Christ. So an entire an entire movement is underway. Like the the old is gone, the new the new way of thinking is is here with the context of of Christ coming. And Christ gives two commandments. He says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength." And he says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." Now he he gives other sorts of directives about about divorce and. Huh. Uh, purity and raising your kids. He's got lots to say about things. Stuff, yeah, stuff not like just those two, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and and a, lot, and a lot of them are just good common sense, right? You don't want kids rebelling against their parents when they're ten. You want them to be able to sit and, and learn and that and that sort of stuff. 
there, there's some there's some common sense in there for for life. Like do not do not lie, do not give a false witness. You know, be a, be a good person generally. It's kind of general uh, good stuff. Now, the, but but the two commandments are are those two: love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And love your neighbor as yourself should not be debatable. I mean, that, that's a that's a pretty good command. I think. Yeah. We all, well, that. it didn't come from Jesus. That's for sure. Uh, that command, that uh, that idea, has been around way before Jesus. So I yeah, mean, it was the second commandment just, of the Jews too. Yeah. I mean, if just I don't need God, the guy who gets who asks people in their laws to get their slaves from their neighbors to tell me to love my neighbor. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. Why don't you start loving your neighbor, God? Yeah. Uh, Matthew 5, 18 through 19. A slave today does not mean a slave yesterday. A slave 3,000 years ago or 5,000 years it's ago, whatever timeline still... you're using for the, for the Exodus, the yeah. slaves were not slaves. They, Did they, they want were, to be slaves? They were, they were tenure contract employees who lived in the house, were taken care of like family members, and had a job that was guaranteed. They were protected from the safety, protected from floods, protected from natural disasters, protected from, from famines. They were, it was a position of safety. And it they were not, not protected from abusive masters today. Were they? Were they protected from abusive masters? They could they could leave at at the end of every ten years, or they could re up. You can you can be abused. Were by they a protected boss. from abusive masters? Anyone can masters. be abused by anyone else. Yes, but I can leave. But if I'm a slave, I'm abused and I'm stuck. The Bible, God, God's perfect laws no, says that no, you can beat a slave and it doesn't contract. die for three days. If it doesn't die after three days of being beat, then it's okay. God says you can beat your slave. That's a again. That's a again. That's a Jewish thing. That's an Old Testament Jewish that's thing. From God. Well, it's it's from the Jewish the Jewish lawmakers is what it's the Jewish God from. came up with these ideas and gave it to the Jewish people. Jesus even referenced them for Matthew five eighteen through nineteen several places he referenced them, but this one specifically. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands, we're talking about the laws, the commands, all those Old Testament shenanigans, and teaches others accordingly, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever, blah, 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 blah. So that's, that's really weird. First off, they got least and more in heaven. So you got like a poor section. You've got like a meh section. Meh, it's okay to be here, but at least we're in heaven. You know, the running water is cold sometimes, but hey, we're in heaven. You know, <laughs> that's because you didn't follow yeah, the laws. Yeah. So, yeah. So so the the, again, the, the the two commandments that Jesus gave hmm. would be would be the new the new laws so so that's what he's talking about here now, he, gave, he, gave, he gave other guy he, he gave other pieces of guidance as well which would be right and just to follow and i think that's what he's re referring to right there michael i don't think it's right and just to call a divorced woman an adulteress that's just a divorced woman who gets married again i don't i don't think it's right to call them adulteresses i mean that's just ridiculous but Jesus thinks it's a great idea. Lots of things Jesus thinks are a great this idea. Is, I don't. <laughs> this is two thousand years ago. I mean, he wasn't in the woke culture like we are. Like, well, it, you know, it, he I should mean, have the, been because the, the Jews. He knows everything. His enemies, the Jews, called, brought the woman and said she was an adulteress. Yeah. I mean, they're they're throwing the word around all the time. And yeah. adul so he just is only a jumps right in. Is, is a technical technical term. Either you're adulteress or you're not an adulteress. So Jesus is using a word back in the day that he knows in the future. Is probably going to be a word he doesn't want to use, but he uses it anyways, knowing that everybody in the future is going to be using this word now and thinking it's bad. 
So Jesus couldn't well, see that coming? English word. He didn't, I don't think he spoke English. Whatever the word was, it was a Jewish world. word for adulteress or Greek. It's It's got a clear definition. It's got a yeah, clear definition. Well, I mean, I think yeah, it's I mean, harsh it, it, and unnecessary. It's not... It's not... <laughs> That's just me. You got to find a different translation. What, what translation <laughs> Bible do you use? NIV. What translation do you use? I'm just curious. Oh man, yeah, NIV. Oh man, you're old school. I grew up. I grew up reading this thing, man. This was not this particular book. I stole this out of a hotel many years ago. <laughs> oh, well, the NIV irony. is oh, the irony. Right? <laughs> so the, you know, I don't know. So I grew up. I grew up on NIV too, hmm. and I don't know. Like was somewhere like maybe around '88, sometime around there. They started changing the words mm. of it, like they had to modernize it for for yeah. wokeness, and so they would they would do some things where they would not they would not give God they would not give certain other people certain uh, definitive pronouns. They would say they instead of he, and it was never it was, seen that. It got one. to be really confusing. Yeah. It was very confusing, and so I switched to uh, an ESV version, which is sort of a a more literal translation. Very 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 similar. I mean, most of the words are, yeah. the same, are the same there. When I do uh, uh, Bible Gateway. I'll do all three. I'll do King James, NIV, and then that ESV. And I'll put them all next to each other and then do comparisons and shenanigans. I like doing that. That's my favorite. And then what I've noticed is this book yeah. here, this Bible that I got out of the hotel, is different from every other NIV out there. I don't understand it. It's got like different words and it. Like, it a, it's, it's so weird. Did you get it at a Marriott by any chance? Yeah, maybe. Like, could, I don't know like why. Sort of a Mormon Bible or some sort of Jehovah <gasps> Witness Bible? No. No, 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 no. It's not that different. <laughs> no, it's just Jehovah's Witness will change one word here Bible and there. Society, I don't know. Large print edition. Maybe that's why. Large print for us old people. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't look very large. Anyways, we're getting off topic here. Laws. So the laws in the Old Testament were just for the Jewish people. Um, and God... So yeah, explain that. Like, did God quit using them? He switched over to Jesus. How does that work for you? Yeah. So the I, let me let me let me put it the way Paul would put it. Now now yeah. Paul Paul was one of these was one of these Pharisee Sadducees types of people that that put Jesus to death. In fact, he was a he was a guy that was there at the stoning of the very first follower mm -hmm. of Christ, uh, Stephen. You know he yeah. he was one of the guys, and he, he actually had a he had an order from the church from the from the the Jews that that allowed him to imprison. And even potentially execute Christians because yeah. they were trying to, to, to quell this this uprising that was that was just dissension in their perspective, and so he he magically gets converted on the road to Damascus, takes three days off, he's blind, he restores gets, his sight's restored. I think when a when a prophet comes to him or a priest comes to him, someone someone like that, like that and yeah. then he goes on and and all, and all of a sudden he's he just it's like the inversion of, of what he was before. So he he, he writes I think almost half of the, the non-gospel New Testament. I mean, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of literature you got in there, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so he comes from this sort of Greek background, this sort of, you know, highly theological background from the Jews, but then he's trying to kind of fit in what, you know, what his revelation was. He saw a bright mm -hmm. light. He, he, talk, he talked to the risen, the, the risen Christ, he claims, and then he goes, to, uh, he goes to Jerusalem and he talks to some of the senior disciples there and kind of corroborate, make sure everything lines up before he goes back out and hmm. starts talking about this and writing about this. And so he writes that, that Christ was the, the, the first in a long line of people that will 
that will live forever. It's it's almost like it's a it's a new evolution in, in human history. Like this is the next evolution of mankind, the type of mankind that will that will never die. That that they have eternity in their hearts, and some way somehow that if they believe that Christ rose from the dead, and they and they do that with a humble heart, that that life will be given to given to them. Give, we, I don't know how it works. Hmm. I don't know why it works. But there's the claim over and over and over through scripture and, and through church history, not the distorted church history of the Catholic Church, but church history, that that this that this is the way things work. Um, and, and so and so that that tends to be the promise. And the, the idea that the promise coming out of the very enemies of Christ who put Christ and his people to death is is really tough to ignore that the evidence comes out of the mouths of the enemies of Christ. So the Jewish people are his enemies? The Jewish people are the one, well, the Jewish leaders are the ones that put Christ, Christ to death. I, you're Those right, right. They, they, they demanded that yeah. Caesar. Yeah, not all yeah. the Jewish people in as a whole, just that group yeah. during that time are his enemies, right? Cl 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 clarify that. I'm not, I'm not quite sure I follow. Well, like you're, you're saying the Jewish people were his enemies, right? The Jew, the, the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders. Okay, the just Jewish the ones leaders. at that time, yes. not all Jewish leaders of all time. Just the ones that were that time are, are his enemies, right? Or just all time? Because I mean, we got Jewish yeah, I, leaders I in the, the Old Testament. He loved. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think there there were bad okay. there were bad Jewish leaders, right? Okay. Like okay. people like Saul, they would kill you know kill everyone and and just a horrible person. And there were good people like Samuel, right? So there right. there were good good and bad leaders throughout. So I think it was a. It was on a case-by-case -case basis, I would imagine. Right. And did God know yeah. that these people were going to be bad Jewish leaders? Jewish, bad leaders of yes. his religion, essentially. He knew that. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so you know, ob obviously God being omniscient, he knows everything and also omnipresent mm -hmm. across all timelines simultaneously. Yeah. He, he knows exactly how things are playing out. And we don't expect to have a perfect world uh -huh. because without a perfect world, we can't have things like justice. So I'm going to put it as dominoes. Uh, God set up a crap load of dominoes in this room. And, and, and there's a red one over here. This is the bad leader. This is another bad leader. So God knows there's going to be bad leaders, right? They're going to do bad things. We, we can go to nowadays. We got church leaders are doing horrible things to children and women and, 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 and everybody. I mean, honestly, um, nobody's safe from, <laughs> from bad people. Um, God knows. So God puts that last domino down. And pushes it. So God starts the domino effect that leads to bad leaders, to bad teachers, to bad representatives of him. So the very creation of the universe, the creation, the idea of free will is what was the initial domino, just to kind of use your analogy, I think. Well, free will is, so, yeah, is so he, engulfed in each domino, but he knows what decision everybody's going to make before they make it. Right. Correct. So Correct. he set yeah, up all the dominoes, to, knowing exactly what would happen. Correct. So where's the free will? Where's the if free this will? is all a story that there's God has already written from beginning of time, where's the free will? The free will is is that God will not intervene on the day to day action. He lets us make our own mistakes because without free will, not only is evil not possible, but also love isn't possible. Did I can he never let Paul love make his own mistakes, or did he intervene? Paul, Saul, 
that we said? Oh, Saul. Did Saul Paul? Did he? he did he, he let did. Saul Paul make his own mistakes, or did he intervene? He did. He, well, the, the 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 time that Paul was Saul was kind of like you talk about Saul the Old Testament or Saul the yeah. New Testament? Well, you know Saul the Paul. He, he showed up. So yeah, <laughs> not King Saul. Oh, Saul the Paul. Yeah, yeah, Saul yeah, Paul. Yeah. That that, that yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, Saul okay. the Paul. So so God showed up. He intervened to make this happen. Yes. Right. So yeah. God does intervene. He does. He does intervene. But it was still Paul's free will in order to to accept that intervening. Like God knew so he was going to, right? That's why he there, showed up and blinded were, him and did all the certain things. He knew exactly what would convince what, Paul or Saul to be Paul. He knew it, so he wouldn't show and, up on it. So to yeah, so so you're talking about like like a miracle? Would a miracle force someone to to automatically that's, accept God without their yeah? Right, that's going against free will. It's performing okay, yeah. a miracle. Yeah. Right. Okay, so so we so we have to if if that's if that's the case, and let's kind of follow that, follow that down a little bit. Yeah. You would have someone like a group of two million unarmed Israelites fleeing out of Egypt, who somehow, some way, conquer the most powerful army in the world with chariots, without without a single loss of a soul. That is a miracle. Now those people immediately go into the desert and they start building golden calves to worship false idols. Yeah, then he, he kills no them because of that. I find. That's there's another no, free will. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. There's no evidence that I find that a miracle or proof, like the actual revelation of God, hmm. converts anyone. It's it's still a matter of free will, and I think we've got this throughout Scripture where people are are hit with miracles. They're hit with absolute like face to face proof that hmm. that God is and who He says He is, and then they just disregard it. Gideon. That's a story where God intervened, convinced somebody. Gideon. Do you remember that? The, the fleece. Refresh the, my memory. The fleece in the water. He said he's talking to God. Man, I was in high school and I did a little puppet show about oh, this yeah. whole thing. It was crazy. It was awesome. It was terrible, but I loved it. Um, he, he did the, the fleece wet and the ground dry and the ground dry and the fleece wet just to show Gideon that he was right, that he was going to help him out. So, I'm paraphrasing a lot here, but that's basically what it was about. Yeah. Um, so God was tempted, essentially, asked to perform a miracle. He intervened. He came down. He did these things. That's against free will that the water would have done its own thing. Gideon would have done his own thing. God intervened to change the course of things. He does it constantly so, throughout the Bible. And we went to the, God, the golden calf. Hold on. The golden calf story is amazing. Yeah, I love and that God, and God, God, It is. It is. It is. God, yeah. God did not force Gideon to obey the test that he put out. Gideon still had to, had, had to obey those tests. He showed him things to prove himself. God had to prove himself to Gideon. And he did it. He showed up. He did a miracle. He intervened. Uh, the 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 uh, where we, oh, the golden calf one. The golden calf. There's there's a I can't remember what verse it is. I'm gonna look it up while we're talking here. Um, but during the golden calf thing, he came down and he asked them to strap swords to their sides and run through each other. This was, here it is. Yeah, Exodus 32, 27, and then 35, 27. Uh, then said to them, uh, da, 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 the next day Moses says you have committed the great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord perhaps. Oh my gosh, this is a long one. Uh, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Um, damn it, that's not the one. Uh, I'll go back and forth. There it is. Where, oh man, why is it not showing up on my thing here? Oh crap. I love doing these live on the air. It is great. 
<laughs> do you have it? Can you find it? Because I am like struggling. I think, right so now. you it's talking about, talking about the, he says put the swords on your side. Each of you and yes. go to and from the gate to gate throughout the camp. Kill and each of you kill his brother and his companion yeah. and his neighbor. Yes. Right. And, yes. Yeah. God intervened yeah. in their yeah. free will. They would have lived their lives worshiping this calf, but God says, "No, I'm so mad because you're worshiping this fake thing. I want you to strap swords to your sides and kill each other." Do you think yeah. that's free will? Yeah. If they obeyed, man, they were they weren't obeying five minutes beforehand. They were not <laughs> obeying five minutes beforehand. That's for sure. That's for sure. Oh man, why does not God come I mean, down? I mean, I can't. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know why God doesn't come down. I mean, these, these people, these people are. I mean, they've been following a cloud during the day, <laughs> who is the manifestation of God, right? And then uh -huh. at night they had a pillar of fire. Uh -huh. And then at, and just before this, he goes and and over the mountain that Moses ascends, he covers it with fire and a cloud. And then yeah. Moses ascends there to commune with God. Yeah. And so he's like saying like this is this is the this is the revelation of like this is who I am, and these people <laughs> saw it with their own eyes. I mean, they were following a, a cloud and a and a flame of fire through the desert, wandering. You can't through the touch desert. the mountain. You can't touch that mountain of God while he's you on it. Yeah. Or you will die. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So don't don't touch it. Don't touch. Uh, not it. even the animals. The goat. Yeah, the it, little it, goat. It, oh, oh, and it's done. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get. Yeah. I get weird. I don't know. Oh, see, I love it. it but yeah, ahead, it's, yeah, it's one of it's one of those things. Like it's I I can't explain why all the laws and all the rules and all the all the the, the toughness of the Old Testament is the way that that we read it. Only to only to point out that it points out that we're we're incapable of obeying all the rules. Hmm. That we're just we're sinful people. Like we like if you give me two commandments. I can say, oh yeah, no problem, no problem. But at one point, I'm going to disobey that commandment. I mean, that's the sword of the garden, right? I'm going to give you one commandment. Just don't uh, eat from this tree. I'm going to give you a million other trees. Just don't eat of this tree. I'm going to put that one tree. By golly, I'm going to, that's right. right that's in the, the middle only of the tree garden, I want all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah <laughs> if you yeah. don't want me to and eat the tree, don't put it in the middle say, of the garden. Take it out of the garden. Put it on the freaking moon, man. Keep it away from them. Yes. Right. That's ridiculous. Okay. Yes. So last thing, yeah. we're almost out of time here. Thank you so much. This has been a blast again, as yes. usual. Rick's always fun. Um, I want to get into the personal relationship before we close this out. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus, God, or, or either one, both, Holy Spirit? How does that work for you? Yeah. It, you, you, have, you have a minute or two for me to explain this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay. So it's not that I believe in God. It's not that I believe in Jesus. I know Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I have a relationship with him. He speaks to me in a way that's more real than being audible. Oh. He, he guides, he guides the, the very major decisions of my life. Let me, let me, let me give you a couple, a couple of examples of this. Yeah. Uh, two, two, two months ago, uh, one of my business partners uh, invited me to lunch. We, we, we meet a couple times every month. One of my very good friends, very, very close. And, and God told me that he was, he was meeting with me because he wanted to, we've got a bunch of different businesses together. Uh, he was meeting with me because he wanted to close a specific business relationship that we've mm -hmm. had for five or six years. Now I met with the guy a hundred times over five, six years. And so he's a, he's a, he's a Hindu. And so God that morning before I went to go meet with him and I had zero communication with the guy other than the schedule lunch uh, over email. Um, he got told me like, well, he's meeting with you to in this very specific business relationship um, and, and you need to make sure he knows that you're not angry with him because he's nervous about it. So I write the guy a letter 
of the date with the date and put it in my pocket, put it in my suit jack pocket. I go to lunch. He says, Rick, I just, I feel bad about this, but this one business, we, we just need to, uh, I, I just want to kind of close down the relationship there. And, and um, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting some pushback because, you know, I'm a Hindu, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Indian guy and I'm doing, I'm doing business with you when I can do business with other Indians. Mm -hmm. And so without a, without a blip, within one second, I pulled the envelope out of my pocket, handed it to him. And I said, I'm going to run to the restroom, wash my, wash my hands. I want you to read that. It's a good thing. Read that. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, Michael, it said the, he read the letter. He said that, I know that today you were going to, your intent on, on wanting to end this, this specific relationship with me, that Jesus told me that, that, that you would do that. And that it's not a problem. We're good. You know, I'm here to help with any sort of transition that I'm here to, I'm here to serve you. No problem. And when I came back, Michael, he was just shocked. He was shocked. I've never done anything like that. I've never printed anything and put it in my pocket like that before. Never, ever. <laughs> it's the revelation case, case number, case number two. Um, <laughs> and this is, this is what, this is one thing that proves the absolute relationship and existence of God. Uh, huh. to me without, without a doubt. Okay. Okay. So, All right. um, about, ready. about eight or about eight or nine years ago, um, there's all this stuff about fasting in the Bible, right? I never yeah. fasted. I thought, well, you know what, let me, let me try it. Like, you know, I was kind of on a new, new health kick. Like me, let, let me do, yeah. so I did a seven day fast sure? the first three days. And, uh, after that, just a water and juice fast. And after that, I started getting some sort of like, it was like flow is like a flow state or mental clarity. And so, I couldn't sit at a desk, so I would go to the park and I would read and I'd walk around the, the pond and I'd read again. And I was sitting by the pond, and this is probably the third day of that, so maybe day call it day six. And um, I was re reading my Bible and reading other books, and and I, I heard this this voice. It wasn't audible again. It was kind of like a it was kind of like a feeling. It may be like my consciousness. I'm not sure what it, is. it says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "Rick, go get the very best best executive health exam you can get, like a full screen, everything, like president quality thing." And so I, I emailed my assistant. I said, find the very, very best one for me I can find. So she found one. I go up the next week and they're, they're, they're filling around. And they said, Rick, you've got a, you've got a lump right here. Uh, we want you to go get that checked out immediately. So I, I, I went to the ER, had it scanned, went to another place that had it scanned. And they, I can't remember if it's a cat scan or a, a pet scan, but it's like a 3D image where they give you the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I had that. So they gave me the DVD and I take it to a, uh, a cardiologist that all he does is works on the interior and exterior carotid arteries. Hmm. And he says, Rick, I see one of these a year. What, and what happened is you have these interior and exterior carotid arteries coming through your neck and it, one goes to your, your brain, one goes to kind of your face, I think blood flow. Hmm. And he said that there was a, there was a growth there that the walls of the growth, the walls of the tumor were actually the walls of the hmm. arteries. So there were no, the walls were the growth were the walls of the artery. And and he said that the way they're going to have to do this, and he and he drew out a sketch on, you know that you know that butcher paper where they put on the table. He drew it with a pen. Yeah. And I saw I actually have it up in my closet at the house. <laughs> and he showed me how they're going to do it. That that we're going to have to do a bypass here and bypass here and rebuild your like rerun, replumb your neck because it's this way. And and that you know you can expect you know you might you might be in the ICU for a week or two just depending on complications and we you mm. know you might you might have some other complications with it, but it's going to be pretty major uh, surgery. And so, um, I go, I go home and I tell my wife and, you know, and my mom's a nurse. She's in, she's been in medical, uh, hospital management for a long time. And so she comes up, she's like, she, she's scared to death and they're all scared. And I kind of do my wheels like that. So I go hmm. into, I go into have this surgery about two, about two weeks later. And the doctor, the doctor puts me at her. Now 
I'm not a guy that like blasts stuff on Facebook. I need prayer for whatever it might be. I told three people. I told yeah. three people about this. I told my, one of my pastors here. I told a friend of mine in uh, Costa Rica at that time and a friend of mine in Dallas. Hmm. That Now, the three of – only two of them knew each other. That morning, all three of them just happened to be staying at the same hotel in Panama on the same morning, and they uh-huh. met in the lobby to pray for me. They were there for different reasons. They just happened to be the same hotel, not the same city, same hotel. So they're getting together. I, I find this out later. And I thought, well, that's that's interesting. So I go into surgery and I and I wake up. Now they're they're, they're putting like the net picket. Like I got this, I got like all the all the heavy duty stuff. So I wake up, I wake up and I'm like, man, this isn't good. I'm in I'm in ICU. And hmm. the uh, uh the 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 doctor comes out and he says, uh, he said, Rick, when I opened you up, I said that he said that 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 growth that was that was about an inch, it was over two inches. It grown, it doubled in size over two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I hadn't been to the doctor in seven or eight years before that. Mm-hmm. Just right timing, it yeah. grew. But he said, Rick, this is like the thing I can't I can't figure out. I can't figure this out that that somehow not only that double in size, but somehow simultaneously it detached, and I didn't bleed out through my arteries, and both arteries simultaneously healed themselves. At the same time. And so, Rick, I just I reached into your neck and I pulled this out. This is the man that saw the 3D video. I've seen the, I've got the DVD too. It's yeah. all 3D. It's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. He reaches out with his fingers, Michael, and I'll, I'll leave you this. He pulls it out and puts it in a dish and sews me back up. Wow. Now, I can't explain something like that happening inside my own body where no one else can tamper with it. Yeah. I don't know. All I know is I've got a 3D video full yeah. color video and drawings from the top cardiologist at methodist hospital here in houston and and that happening hmm. and like man i have to i have to believe well, i have to believe. <laughs> thank you i mean that. that's a great story yeah it, you, well, you want something personal i've never i've never shared well, that, that on video michael so um that that's something that's deeply deeply personal hmm. and it's it's unexplainable to me it's hmm. unexplainable to me um, I know, I know there may be something else out there to explain for it, but unless someone snuck into my body hmm. and did a, a procedure, yeah. that's, that, that has to be what happened. Well, Rick, I would go with, I don't know. Um, you didn't see Jesus show up and, and do those certain things. It just happened. Um, and you're attributing it to Jesus. Uh, I can attribute things to Spider-Man as well. I, I have a story that I was waiting for my wife to get the right schedule so we can get the kids. I can go to work and all this, everything can fit together. And Spider-Man told me, don't worry about it. He's got it. Well, guess what? A week later, everything fell into place perfectly, like even better than I had imagined. More perfect than ever. Praise Spider-Man. But I don't, I don't think it was Spider-Man that did it. I think my own thoughts came up with these ideas. Um, I keep my my own wishful thinking came up with the Spider-Man part. Uh, somebody out there trying to help me out in this situation. And it's just me. It's just me and my wife and the guests. I mean, there's no invisible man making sure the schedule gets done. No one's sending me peace to my, my subconscious. You know, um, these are my own thoughts. These are my own situations and my own things. Um, yeah. But what I want to know is. It, it would have been even more magnificent. It would have been even more magnis- magnificent if my own thoughts healed the interior of my body. <laughs> it'd be more that magnificent been, if cool. jesus showed up and just went boop, and it went away that'd be more yes. yeah yeah yes. or showed up at all um so how do you know or sorry no who or how did that lump get there to begin with did god put it there 
did Satan put it there? Did God allow it to be put there so he could teach you this lesson? Show off his powers type thing, you know, like he did with the killing the kids in Exodus? Um, what is that? How does that work? Yeah. So I think that the the idea that it being there, remember it grew twice. I, I, uh -huh. I hadn't been the doctor in seven years. I've never had my neck exam like that and was yeah. 35 years old. And so the probability that something like that would double in size at the right two weeks within the 35, 35 year time period. Hmm. Let's, let's start stacking probabilities here. This is the, I work in the medical field. I see crazy things all the time. I don't, yes. I don't attribute That's it to crazy. God. Yeah. But the timing, you we're stacking probabilities, the timing, two weeks period, you have 26 of those every year times 35 years. Yeah. You're, you're at a, at a pretty statistically, important work then you got the same the only three people not three of the people the only three people staying didn't yeah. know each other stay at the yeah. same hotel and i mean how many hotels in the world are there and yeah. odds that they're traveling and then yeah. and then you've got the probability that i didn't bleed out to death i should have bleeded out to death if i if the, if the thing just got removed but i didn't bleed out to death and then probably if they both got were healed simultaneously it's it's crazy it's but who crazy. put it you there right? stacking probabilities oh it was my body my, oh. my body was made to make that. So God, God allowed that. God to created the universe. When God created the universe, he made my body that it would produce one of those. Yes. Wow. Yes. So he could show off his powers yeah. later on and, and, and prove to you that he's real. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think about, I think about this a lot that, that we've got to have some sort of natural, uh, natural disappointment, natural, like chaos, like the chaotic thing that that could destroy us. Like it, it's imperative. And I think, uh, huh. I think it was, it was Nietzsche. And I think, I think I started our first conversation <laughs> yeah. with Nietzsche, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so spoke uh, Zarathustra. He says something like, like this, that it's that you must have chaos uh -huh. inside yourself in order to give birth to a dancing star. You must have chaos inside yourself in order to give birth to a dancing star that without chaos, hmm. with a little bit, not without a little bit of danger, that you never not only have bright points of brightness that come out in the middle of the night, like a star would be, but the star somehow is dancing. Like it's, it's a, it's an act of joy that hmm. somehow through the chaos and through the struggles, joy comes in the ascendant. And I think there's huh. a lot of wisdom in what Nietzsche says in that, that, that the chaos can lead, can lead to, to better things. And I think that's that get, kind of gets back. And I, and I encourage people to go back and, and watch our first conversation as well. Yeah. I think that was that was a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Uh, just the whole idea about about what a story could possibly do. And I think that's maximal. That's story, really, yeah. I guess, how, how absolutely. That's kind yeah. of how I would then then answer answer that. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I kind of want one more thing. One more thing. Chaos in heaven. Is there chaos in heaven? Because heaven is supposed to be this perfect place. If if you've got a kid that God kills when it's a kid and it goes to heaven, it doesn't get to experience that growth that chaos is the helpful thing of a jigger um they go right to heaven where there is none of that so are they experiencing less of life are they getting a a, 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 a downgrade i mean how's that work for you okay so i'll give you two answers first first answer from a catholic hat like if i believe in purgatory which i don't uh, yeah. that's that's the purification that removes all the chaos from you then you then you're ready, ready to go to heaven i don't yeah. i don't see that anywhere in the bible it's it's a great idea i just don't see it in the, yeah. Bible. Yeah. the second thing is is kind of my prototypical Christian perspective is that is that somehow the the presence of God in heaven right that's the definition of heaven it's it is God 
God there. Like there's no need for faith anymore because you see him, like you're, you're in relationship yeah. with him. That somehow you being able to clearly see God fixes all the chaos in your life, fixes all the mental stuff that you've been going through, fixes everything. And everything's just made like everything bad that's happened is ever is made untrue. I think is the way I put it in the first. The first yeah, episode. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, there's more on that. I want to talk more on that. We, we got to do a part three. I got to go. But Rick, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Plug your stuff. Where can we find you? This is fun, Michael. Hey, man, I'm Rick, Rick Walker Tex. I'm all over Twitter. Uh, I guess Facebook or the book face, whatever it's called. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, whatever this thing is called, and we're, we're probably going to be de-platform you and I at some point. So we're, you know, we're all over hashtag, uh, Rick Walker text, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm around man. And, and, uh, you know, happy to answer any questions and I'll, I'll try to get engaged on the comments as well. Again, mm -hmm. if, if anyone has any, any questions or not that, you know, I, I, again, I, man, I, I love you because, you know, you, you have this honest, honest pursuit of the truth and, the, the 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 condition of your Bible you've actually been using your Bible that should get people that should get people like proof that you know you're you're really trying you're really yeah. digging for the truth and kind of like kind of like Paul like he's willing to go into enemy, enemy territory yeah. uh, to be able to pursue the truth I mean I I I really appreciate that Michael and so you know I, I had fun as always and you know we'll we'll do part three absolutely thanks Rick take care stay safe out there we'll stay in touch cool. thanks a lot. That's all the show there is for you today. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find me at the Bible Says What YouTube and Facebook pages. You can also find clips of the show on TikTok under BSW the Podcast. If you like what you heard and want to help keep the recording light on, simply go to patreon.com forward slash BSW the Podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will get you early access to each episode by at least three days, stickers, shirts, and shout outs. That's patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast. For the latest events, BSW swag, including signed copies of The Bible Says What the book, head on over to the show's ever-evolving webpage at thebiblesayswhat.com. And no matter which platform you use to listen to your podcasts, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them? Next time on The Bible Says What? I'm going to put myself in that situation. I'm, I, I created a world and nobody's listening to me, but I'm all powerful. I have the option of showing up. I have the option of separating evil from my children. I can take it away and my children won't be evil because there is no evil in the world. That would be a better thing to do. But God chose the other one. He chose drown the kids with the evil and then I'll start over again and make it better. But that didn't really work. Sin still survived. Bad people still survived. I really don't see it. It's kind of pointless, the whole thing, honestly. Uh, so that's what I would do as God. Those are the values that I would hold as a deity. I would try to do less harm. Hmm. I think those are good things. Do you think it is good to do less harm and to try and save people or separate the evil from them? Do you think that would have been a good idea? Oh, I think, um, hmm. Do you like my idea versus Yahweh's idea?
<laughs> in my human mind, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I do. So because... in your human mind, it mm -hmm. is more moral to do what I did. And it is immoral to do what God did in your human yeah. mind. No, not necessarily. Okay. So it's not immoral to drown it... children, puppies, and kittens. I really don't understand. I, I mean, I would, you know, I, I'm sure this is what you seek to do on this show, but I love you, bro. And I don't really, <laughs> I, I don't, I no? don't want to get involved in a, in a, in a circular debate here. No circular. I, it's a question. Is, is that, do you see that as a moral thing or would you do that? Of course, is it immoral? Because it's immoral to to drown puppies and kittens and babies, right? We would agree it's immoral to do that. In every you know, case that I have ever yeah. ever experienced as a human, absolutely it is. Every case, absolutely it is. In my in my experience, so why would God do something we see as immoral? <laughs> 